Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Alex Glenn. Alex has spent his career helping founders and teams to build and execute creative growth systems. He's the founder of Automated, a platform for finding and showcasing automated processes, which helps you and your team achieve optimal customer experience at scale. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Morgan. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. You have a very interesting roadmap that you followed to kind of get to where you are now. Can you kind of walk us through your your background and experience? Yeah, I had a background in sales, actually. And I think this is very important. I actually just wrote an article about this that I'm hoping to get published very soon in Forbes, actually. They showed some interest, but um, it's all about the fact that sales, especially in B2B, is one of the best starting points that you can have to have a very successful career as a B2B founder, as a B2B marketer even. Um, I would even suggest, you know, anyone in product and customer success, I mean, have a little bit of experience in sales because it teaches you so much about valuing the customer's opinion, about discussing your product, about how the customer perceives your product. You have to really work through those very challenging situations that the customers put back on us um, when you are a salesperson. When you're not in sales or if you do not have experience in sales, it's very, very tough to understand really where the customer's coming from. You can research it, you can read all the reports, you can dive into the psychology of it, but you can't get that sort of experience as you would if you were a salesperson first. Um, I didn't plan that when I started. I was obviously just looking for money in college, but I started in sales. So I worked for one of the fastest growing, one of the most boiler room-esque call centers in the U.S., in Santa Barbara and um, excelled there, <laughs> became a very, very uh, good telemarketer, good cold caller, good salesperson on the phone. I moved down to San Diego and uh, transferred over to San Diego State and continued my sales career. And it was great, flexible hours working during school. So I worked and sold two car dealerships. I sold advertising to car dealerships, which I would never recommend to anybody uh, if you're going to do sales, uh, 
try to find a nice cushy inside sales job for a tech company. But I worked for this company that sold everything from uh, vanity numbers, display ads, and um, even print ads, magazine ads to car dealers. I worked there through a referral from a friend and I got in and I noticed right away, and this is something I noticed in the previous job, is I have this sort of urge to find the shortcuts in the process. And this is not something any sales director, any sales manager will want any of their inside salespeople to do. And it's not recommended for longevity in sales. But what I would do is I would get in there and I would look for the white space. I'd look for the opportunities in niche spaces that the other salespeople aren't currently selling into. And a good example of this is when I was selling to dealerships, I found out that there were really good incentives from the military to pay for P1s and P2s, the military people, pay for their car leases and car loans. Um, Mm. I found that out. And then what I did is I looked at our advertising materials and I saw that we had a plethora of these vanity numbers and these call to actions around cars for the military, cars for P1s. P1 lease now type thing. And I consolidated all of those vanity numbers. And I used those as the hook to get into these car dealerships that were right near military bases. So I found all of the military bases in the US. And then I did a little bit of geomapping and found all the car dealers right next to those military bases. And I had my ammunition, which is all the vanity numbers that I had that I knew were available. And I went about approaching all of those car dealerships one at a time. I think I had like a 70% close rate with those dealerships that Mm. I sold the vanity lines for the car for the military to. And that made me the top salesperson. I think the second month I was at the company. And before that, there was the same top salesperson every month for three years, for 36 months straight. Um, So everybody was pretty interested in what I was doing. But as soon as the sales manager uncovered what I was doing. And I was essentially taking that chip off the table for everybody else. I was fired about 60 Mm. days later. They let me run with it a little bit longer. But uh, once the other salespeople caught on, it it created a little bit of animosity and, you know, why is he able to do this? We're not type thing. So they, they had to part ways, but I immediately noticed I was getting very good at finding that white space, which essentially is what growth marketing is all about, right? So long story short, I had one more sales job during school, and um, that was the same sort of situation where I was selling advertising in the form of websites to National Association of Mortgage Brokers and Realtors, or Realtors and Mortgage Brokers, not the National Association. But I uh, worked out a deal with my manager and with the CEO of the company where I was uh, able to offer a discount to organizations that had more than 100 people in the organization. And then I, instead of selling, trying to create 120 calls a day and trying to close business that way. I worked out a nice pitch for one person, the director of the National Association of Mortgage Brokers with the deal, um, the signed deal for my CEO in pocket. And I grabbed that deal and he gave me every contact that he had in his database. And then I just sent a uh, email blast out to all of the National Association of Mortgage Brokers members with the deal and a link to get the deal. And um, I just sat back and waited for those to come in. And it was the same situation. I just was putting up um, these easy deals, making less than 15 calls a day, 
And um, everybody was kind of wondering why I was able to do what I was doing, making 15 calls a day. So long story short, it all pointed in one direction where I should not be in sales uh, for very long, or at least not in that type of a role. And it got me very interested in marketing and marketing as a profession, marketing as a skill set. So I went to work as an intern for an SEO agency. Uh, shortly after that, I was doing free work, analyzing large data sets of uh, websites, um, SEO information. And that got me into content marketing. And I launched a couple of content marketing-based platforms in San Diego and worked for some of the brightest minds that were ahead of the game with regards to content marketing, working on some really awesome projects and learned very, very in-depth SEO and content marketing strategy. And then took that and, and launched my own agency called Right to Revenue, where we focused on helping business owners really own their own strategy instead of trying to take their work from them as an agency. And a lot of agencies do this. We were set out to empower the business owner by teaching them these day-to-day processes, these day-to-day content marketing started there, but it, it snowballed into funnel building and paid, but training them on how to do it so that they didn't have to rely on an agency. So we had these 90-day programs where we'd build and implement, and then we'd train, and then we'd be off, and they would be um, happy and, and running the system themselves. And it worked really well, and people loved it. And um, I worked for a couple um, laps doing the same thing. I, was, I started as their agency, and then they brought me on Full-time, I did user acquisition and then came out to Chicago, where I had a first job here as the head of user acquisition for a big mobile gaming company. And um, shortly after that, I had a couple more stints as VP of marketing, but realized it, it was a situation where I'm very valuable to a company during certain stages and um, being able to implement. And I wanted to sort of take that back and have it be what I am as a consultant as a value add to the startup community, to the tech community. So I relaunched as automated and set out to build this resource for marketing automation specialists to come and show off their skills for business owners, B2B marketers, and um, SaaS leaders out there to come and, and find the most relevant working strategies that they can go and implement in their business. And I've been running that for about six months and things are going very, very very well and um, traffic's up. Everybody's pretty excited about it. And uh, we aim to be the first and last place businesses go to find ways to better their operations through marketing automation. Awesome. Very interesting track you followed. And it seems like in each step along the way, you've had to really look for, like you said, the white space, look for opportunities and look for trends. And as we kind of move forward, there's a lot of interesting things going on in sales and marketing technology. What types of trends are you seeing in the marketplace today and over the next, you know, 24, 36 months and beyond? Great question. I see a couple that I'd like to point out. You know, there are plenty of trends around you know, what verticals are working now. I'm not going to touch on that. You know, there's plenty of trends and what tactics are working now, but that's all unique to your business. And I don't know who's listening, but everybody's going to have a different need 
But what is available to everybody and what is very interesting that everybody can gain value from, the first one is the democratization of MarTech, and I'll go into that. The second one is partnerships as a priority for B2B, um, becoming more and more of a priority for your operations, for your strategy, and um, a priority earlier on than it ever was. And I'll talk about what companies are enabling that and how that works. But going back to democratization of MarTech, what does that mean? Well, MarTech has come a long way in 10 years. And if you follow Scott Brinker, I mean, he talks more upstream enterprise MarTech, but he has a lot of good insight on this. He's sort of the path maker for MarTech and democratization of MarTech. And that's why HubSpot went and grabbed him up, I believe. Anyways, I digress. Uh, marketing automation and democratization of the tools inside this landscape is what's super interesting as a trend. And what that means is essentially tools are going towards the middle. So you see the upstream, the legacy tools, they're getting a lot more pressure from the up and comers to put more time and effort into R&D and to be a little bit more realistic with their price points, right? So there's a lot of consolidation and land grabbing going on out there in the enterprise world. And below all that, underneath, which if you're not in the SMB space, if you've been in the enterprise Salesforce Marketo type cloud for a while, you don't see what's going on. But these changes underneath all that are really impacting the product decisions uh, for these enterprise level tools. And I think that's very interesting and very valuable for everybody. And you'll see tools that are coming up that are just incredibly powerful for under a hundred bucks per month per user, like user.com is a new one. And those guys have built something pretty incredible. It's value all day. And you're not paying your 500 bucks a month. You're not paying your thousand bucks a month that you'll see with these legacy systems that are just so antiquated is a good word to put it. They're just dead in the water, but they have this sort of 10-year, 20-year head start. So yeah. they've got their users and they, they'll keep gaining those users. But user.com, um, check out what those guys are doing. Active Campaign, probably most of your listeners have heard of Active Campaign based right here in Chicago. Those guys were one of the first to build a really comprehensive all-in-one solution for the price point that they're at. Their competitors, Agile CRM, another good one to check out. But these guys are coming out with so much value where you can run your entire business from one platform, which HubSpot sort of tried to do, but didn't try to do it in the way that these guys are trying to do it. HubSpot had a really strategic business model that was not democratized. They tried to get you in with their free CRM as soon as you were super integrated because they had all those native integrations. It was too hard to rip out and you had to go up into their marketing automation suite which all of a sudden goes from $0 a month to $1,200 a month or whatever, depending on your team and your data. But, but that's changing. And I think that's very interesting. So the point there is democratization of MarTech, these smaller tools that are coming up from Europe and Asia, et cetera, are forcing these legacy brands to be more focused on R&D and bring their price points a little bit down. And the business owners out there, the DIY owners out there, especially B2B, you can run your entire business for under $100 a month. Your tech stack can be under $100 a month per user, no problem. And that's a new world that we're living in today. 
And just to emphasize those points, a couple examples, Active Campaign launched chat recently, so expanding their technology. Zendesk launched Zendesk Sales, so trying to expand a little bit. Drift launched uh, email marketing recently. And then you see sales enablement tools like Outreach and Salesloft really taking off because they touch on and, and Reply.io. Definitely want to give a shout out to those guys as well. They play in that space where your sales forces, your Marketos, your HubSpots, they left it behind, you know, and there was a huge opportunity. And those guys have grown so fast because there was such a need that they're going out and solving. And lastly, to the point of democratization of MarTech, the API integration discussion, and we don't have to go into details on this, but there are very interesting things happening for SaaS businesses that want to integrate with softwares for their users. So if you want to add an integrations page and you want to have native integrations, um, now there are tools like Integri.io, Tray.io, of course, and Blender.io that are allowing these SaaS companies to open their platforms up to hundreds of apps out there in a white label scenario so their users can go to the integrations page and see whatever integrations they want to add with a click of a button, almost like segment.io for integration. So different than Zapier, if you're familiar with Zapier. With Zapier, you have to go and create a Zapier account and then go into Zapier's UI to create those integrations. In this new world of API integrators, you can, as the business owner, implement Integree into your app and then make all of those integrations available from your user interface instead of forcing people to go off to Zapier. So that's the last thing I'll mention on democratization of MarTech as the very interesting change in trend. The last thing I'll mention is partnerships. Partnerships, for those of you listening, you probably each have a different definition in your head of partnerships. For those of you who have experience with affiliate marketing, you may know of like Commission Junction from back in the day, affiliate marketing, if you're in SaaS, maybe Sasquatch. Um, this is the old world of partnerships where partnerships were really a sort of a one-sided, you know, you create your URLs and you just let people go nuts. And today, especially for B2B SaaS and in particularly for B2B SaaS and B2B companies in general, you have companies like partnerstack.com. And Partnerstack.com allows you to change your entire focus of what it means to enable a partner community to sell your product. And this is what's super interesting to me with regards to the entire sales engine for a B2B SaaS company, the growth engine being growth marketer by trade. I look at this and I say, the old world of how I'm going to launch my product of, hey, I'm going to create a bunch of content right off the bat and I'm going to run ads in the meantime to get that initial traffic and I'm going to optimize my funnel and then I'm going to optimize this channel and I'm going to optimize that channel and uh, maybe I'll throw some growth hacks out there and maybe I'll do some automated this and automated that. And then once I have a brand that people recognize, maybe I'll spin up a partnership program. Those days are gone. Today, the recommendation is to start your product as soon as you have unit economics that makes sense. And as soon as you have your product past that product market phase, you know that people like this product. 
start your partnership program that day. Do not wait. And you don't have to hire somebody to own it right away, but it is recommended. And I would go as far as to say you don't have a marketing manager. You have a partnership manager. And then you outsource marketing to an agency if you have the funds. But if you have a certain amount of dollars per month to spend on quote unquote marketing and you're a B2B SaaS company and that dollar amount is sort of low, I would strongly suggest putting that money into partnerships before you do anything if you have those unit economics and you have that product market fit. And a good example of this is I was on the phone with a SaaS CEO recently who did not have a partnership program. And I asked him, why aren't you going forward with your partnership program? Why aren't you tackling the side of the stack that you're not? And he said, well, it's because, um, you know, partnerships, you need a brand name. You need people to know you as a brand when that partner is recommending you. And my response to him was, are you sponsoring podcasts? Are you paying for media spots? Are you trying to get backlinks? And he said, yes, of course, we're doing all that. And he was spending, I think, in the neighborhood of 600 bucks per article on a site to get an article done. And I said, okay, well, imagine a world where instead of you ending that relationship with that podcast host like Morgan, right then and there after that podcast is done and you've paid him a certain amount to mention your product and you've moved on. Imagine if you went to Morgan with a $500 referral fee per user that signed up from his podcast and you did the podcast, but then you left knowing that Morgan is excited about being a partner of yours because he likes your product and he now knows that he has an incentive to refer people to your product. And not only that, but you gave Morgan a login to a dashboard where Morgan could actually upload his contacts and know that every single person in his database, as soon as they converted to a user of your product, he was going to get that money paid out by that third-party intermediary. So he didn't have to go to your data team and say, hey, I need a report of all the people that came through my UTM, you know, my tracking parameters, and look into your GA and see how many people were referred from my site and then try to you know, haggle you for those referral fees and try to argue with whose referral was what. But he had his own dashboard, and he was able to manage his own partnership promotions through a third party and get paid. So this is kind of what Commission Junction did a while back. But with B2B SaaS, there needs to be a little bit more to it, a little bit more infrastructure around it. And companies like impact.com have just raised a new round of 75 million and partnerstack.com are doing this for companies like Unbounce and Asana and doing an incredible growth phase right now because B2B companies are starting to realize that partnerships needs to happen a lot sooner in their marketing mix than it has been in the past. So those are my two trends that I think are very exciting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And like you said, with basically conversion tracking, it's messy, um, can be difficult. So having that you know, capability can definitely be create a smoother, more streamlined process. I want to ask on two points you mentioned on the rise of partnership programs earlier in the process of uh, building a B2B SaaS company, as well as uh, the lowering of price points due to the democratization of MarTech. How does this affect B2B salespeople, or at least the, the B2B sales force of a SaaS company? 
a lot of what they're doing is um, maybe direct selling to their marketplace. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it depends on the size of the company. I think talking about that latter part of the question where you're talking about how does that impact the day-to-day of a, of a B2B salesperson, there's various components here that we can digest, but it's really a matter of what does your arsenal look like? And uh, this is very important to know as a salesperson, inside salesperson, I'm going to say for a mid-level to startup um, or startup to mid-level somewhere in that range, you're going to be relied on to do marketing. You know, you're going to be relied on to do account-based marketing. You're going to be relied on to know the tricks and the hacks and how to really get in there and growth hack your way into a conversation with that decision maker, right? Yeah. That requires you to be a thought leader. You know, you have to publish content. You have to really make yourself uh, noticeable to those ICPs. You can't just be good at sales anymore so much. Mm. You have to really know the strategy. So when I'm talking about how that relates to the democratization of MarTech, first and foremost, I mean, knowing the ways to leverage these tools like your sales enablement tools, which most inside salespeople for startups will have some experience with at the very least a cold email tool, if not an outreach.io, a reply.io, a sales loft, one of those. But knowing how to leverage these tools, you have to be, as a salesperson for a B2B tech company, you have to be a citizen automator. You have to know how to optimize your day, your routine, your processes in order to effectively target those ICPs and get to the top of that leaderboard for sales. And you may look at your organization and maybe the person that is leading your sales board right now, you wouldn't say that defines that person. You would probably say that maybe that person is uh, just a a go-getter and they're Maybe not. Maybe this is describing the person that is on the top of your sales leaderboard. Maybe that person is very good at sales. But I follow a couple of salespeople in particular on LinkedIn, a couple of SDRs that are just killing it with content. They're on Quora. They use their tool effectively. They use other tools effectively. They're not out there spraying and praying. They're being really strategic mm. and getting their face, their actual profile picture into the news feeds as much as possible for their ICPs. And they're doing that not just with manual efforts, but they're doing that by leveraging the automations that these tools support, right? So that's what I would say. The summary there is as a salesperson, you need to be an automator and you need to be very strategic and growth-minded, not just focus on hitting those certain number of calls a day and just doing the checklist, right? You can't be a checklist person anymore. I would say that's important. And then the tools that I mentioned before, those are available to you. So you have to know how to leverage them. And if one that your CEO has not purchased for your sales team, you believe is something you need, you got to learn it. You got to network with the salespeople at that company to get a free account for a little bit longer, put together a process and a strategy so that you can go and get that tool put into your marketing mix. That's what I would say around the MarTech landscape and uh, how it relates to B2B salespeople in their day-to-day. And then with partnerships, this is something that would be interesting. You know, I would like to challenge the listeners that are in sales to look at, if they're not currently running a partnership program, to look at why. 
And uh, to be that person inside the organization that calls out to the CEO and really asks those questions about why they don't have a partnership program. And um, if there's not an incredibly good reason, then maybe put together a strategy and be the owner of that partnership program strategy. Because like I mentioned back when I was a salesperson, if you can put together something that is noticeable, is working really, really well, but get sign off first. It's one thing I didn't do. Get sign off first and be the owner of that. You could put yourself in a role where you are heading up the partnership program at your organization, and that could be incredibly lucrative for you. It's obviously a gamble, but if it pays off, man, it could pay off very huge and be that stepping stone for your career. That's what I would suggest. Awesome. Great, great advice and great tips for sure. Excellent. So let's talk about automated. Let's talk about that business and kind of give us a deep dive into automated and some things that kind of users or the audience can take away from automated. Yeah. So just to recap, I mean, automated is a resource and a marketplace for teams to find ideas and strategies for how to use their marketing and sales tools in a complete system, and then connect with the resources they'll need to build out those automations. And we're not just talking about, you know, zap uh, the trigger of Calendly, you know, here and, and put a new field in a CRM there. We're talking about all of your business processes. So anything that you do on a month-to-month basis, whether it's project-based or ongoing, you need to put those into an automated process and you need to have the people involved in those automations uh, be alerted when it's their time to do blank at this time of day to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks and you have your business operations really buttoned up. And that's what I look for. So I'm reaching out to those automators out there that are really good at their jobs. They've, they've optimized those processes down to the T and they've got you know some aspect of their business operations really buttoned up that they can put into a process and they can share it with other business owners. So whether you're internal at an organization or you have an agency or you're a freelancer, if you do have that automation that you love and it really helps you and you can put it into a nice formatted PDF or a video, share that with me. Go to automated.af forward slash automator dash registration. There's a button on the homepage. You can submit that and we'll showcase you to the marketplace. We'll send out your profile in an email newsletter and we'll get you involved in the private Slack group, which is where all the other automators are. So you can discuss tools, tactics, tricks, all that good stuff. But the future of automated, you know, it's something that I built out of a need that I had. I really didn't find a place where I could go that had the best information of use cases for the tools that I use on a day-to-day process. You know, every tool out there, they've got their biases, they've got their partnerships behind the curtain, you know, they showcase certain things and they keep the rest sort of under the rug. And it yep. makes it hard for people like us to decide on SaaS, A, like what CRM do you use? You know, where do you go to find out what CRM would be best for your business? And then, you know, once you think you've decided on that CRM, how do you use it? Do you just upload your contacts and hit play? No, mm-hmm. you have to you got to build systems around that CRM. So who is the best to advise on that? Well, if you go to a search engine and you type in, you know, HubSpot consultant, you're going to get a group of people that have 
their own <laughs> incentives and their own yep. partnership. And they're going to push you to a certain tool that they get paid to push you to. And they're going to charge you a whole lot of money to implement a system that may not be the best for your business. It's super biased. So I set out to really create that unbiased resource. I mean, un unbiased meaning we don't have partnerships with the tools that we represent. We don't get paid by all these tools and we just love them. We talk about them because they are satisfying a certain need that we had. And then we look for other people that have the same. And some people do have maybe partnership agreements with some of the stuff, but we give you everything. And then you can go and you can say, well, this seems to be the right thing to implement in my business. And I use a couple of the tools. Maybe I don't use the third one, but that's cheap. I can add that no problem and get them implemented. And then if you need help putting it together, there's an access to the expert when you buy the actual marketing automation or some of them are free. Most of them are free actually you get connected to the automator behind that automation. And um, the idea there is to create almost, uh, I struggle to say, but like a producthunt.com for marketing automation, where we just kind of mm. give you everything that's going on, you know, what people are doing in automation and let you decide what's best for your business. I don't know if that Absolutely. answered your question. Definitely. And I just want to kind of, uh, for people who are listening, who haven't been to the website yet, who just want to visualize um, kind of what's offered there. If you've ever thought about, I wish I could put together these two or these three or four or five or six different pieces of software to kind of save a lot of time or, or help do what I want to do more efficiently, this is the place to go for that. I've looked through it and there's stuff that I've thought about, hey, I've wanted to do before, but I just don't know how to do it this is the place to go to check that out. So I definitely, anybody who's interested in adding automation to what they do, being more efficient and effective with the time and resources that they have to so definitely check out automated.af. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Alex. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, Morgan, thanks a lot, man. And you and I will catch up on the interwebs, I take it. And um, yeah, we'll have to get you in the group. I don't know if I ever sent you a link, but let's get you in the group too so you can check that out and see what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Where's the best place people can go to uh, kind of hit you up if they want to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have any questions about getting involved in automated, team at automated.af. It's T-A-M at automated.af. Pretty easy. And then me personally, if you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there as a B2B person. I'm active on LinkedIn. So just search Alex Space Glenn and hopefully I'm showing up and uh, connect with me. I'll accept and yeah, we can chat on LinkedIn too. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Alex. I appreciate it. All right, Morgan. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.